Hi, everyone. My name is Dave Roberts, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. And before I introduce our next guest, which who I'm really excited about having on the show today, I just wanted to do a little shout out to all the college graduates across the country. I had the pleasure last Thursday, the 11th of um, being at Utica University's undergraduate ceremony, and it was just really cool to see a lot of students that I had worked with over the last couple of years uh, just walk, get their degree, and start the next chapter of their lives. And so this this part of the podcast is for you. The shout-out goes to you, and I wish all college graduates well um, as they embark on the next chapter of their lives. So, in the words of my favorite TV detective, Lily Russia Colcase, I want to say let's get down to it, and I want to introduce our next guest, who I consider to be a brother from another mother. How we even met is one for the books, um, and that would take probably a whole other episode for us to do that. Um, but let's for say I'm going to give you like a formal, um, informal bio. Chris is first and foremost a visionary. He is a teacher. He's a father and a father figure to many. Um, he's a husband, he's a builder, he's a repurposer of old things. And that's kind of a theme for me and his, that I've seen in his life is that he has repurposed himself in many ways. Um, and I, I am just thrilled to have him in my life. I love him like a brother from another mother. Although he will tell you he's prettier than me. Don't believe it. Because I, I have it all over him. I told him I may be older, but hell, I age I age good and I am prettier. So, but maybe we'll do a side by side at some point. We'll have you guys vote on that. But anyway, <laughs> let's get to it, Chris, my friend. It's always a pleasure, and thank you for uh, spending taking some time out of your very busy schedule to uh, spend some time with me today. I'm just excited to have you. Well, good morning to you. It's a uh... You know, typical, uh, I woke up this morning and five minutes later, I'm like, where the hell's the link? <laughs> that's, that's right. But, but fortunately, since I am the planner of the two brothers, I had that, I had that handy and I was able to text it to you. But Yeah, um, thank God. But, you know, we, we were talking just before off camera. I mean, we plan very differently. I plan, I have to write things out. You have a plan in your head, but yet we both exercise flexibility within that plan which highlights our differences, yet our similarities, which is why our, our friendship, I think, is, is one that I think a lot of people can model because we see a lot of things differently, but yet we respect those differences, we, we get excited about understanding those differences, and we try to learn from it. And if everybody could do that, the world would be, I think, a hell of a better place. I agree with that completely. I'm, I, I agree. You know, when you say I do have a plan, I do have a plan. I'm probably way more. Um, I, I, I probably plan way more than it appears on the outside. But when the plans in somebody's head, like, like my characteristic is, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to show that to some people. And it may look like I'm flying by the seat of my pants, which a lot of times I do, but, um, I, I just, I'm kind of a in the moment type of liver, living guy, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. And I, I think being in the moment is good. And, and I think some, sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta trust your intuition to get you through that moment. And as you know, you and I have talked, the past has 
really, I think how our past played out really illustrates how we, our present moments play out as well too, which is kind of what we're going to be talking a little bit about today. So, Cool. Bring it on, big boy. Bring it on. All right. Um, When Chris and I were talking about the direction of this podcast, it was like I didn't come up with like about 20 different questions. I came up with like eh, a couple of specific, let's say, areas we could explore. So we're going to take a look at the, I think, answer past. I'm going to ask you to really look at that and let's see how it's kind of illustrated or, you know, it's kind of, you know, uh, influenced your present and how it can also help create your future. So we're going to kind of do like a past, present, future kind of thing. So first question I want to ask you, Chris, is who were you and who, let's say right up until the time you were born till December 23rd, 2005, describe who you, who you were during that time period. Um, you know, I think, I think, uh, while I lived on earth, that's what I always call prior to the date that Blake died. I, th- I always call that a, uh, that's when I lived on the, the earth I knew where right. What I grew to know, um, you know, I, I, th- I think I was a lot like I am now. I mean, I was a non-planner. Um, uh, I, I don't want to call myself a risk taker, but I, I, I think I was a risk taker. Um, I, I think of, I can remember early, early on in my life, always being, having kind of an entre- entrepreneurial spirit. Um, I remember my grandpa, my grandpa and grandma had an Arians, it was an Arians lawnmower. And, um, you know, it was, I, I was pretty young and I was on that lawnmower ready to, you know, start a business and start mowing for people. You know, I mean, it, it just always seemed like I was always in that kind of that mode. Um, um, always ready to learn when I took a job, um, jumped right in as a, as an office cleaner for an oil field company in Nest City. Just pretty simple, scared to death of girls. Um, you know, I just, I always, always, I, I didn't want to date. Even when I was a young youngster, I wanted to just go straight into a you know, a, a direct relationship. <laughs> I, I don't know if it was a time thing back then or I don't, if that's the way I operate, just, I just, it kind of comes back to that visioning. I actually just shared a story with uh, one of my workers a couple days ago about the visioning, you know, the, I don't have visions, but I vision what I'm going to be doing. Um, I, I was playing basketball and I grew too fast in high school and was clumsy. I was tripping over the painted lines on a basketball court and the basketball coach, you know, grabbed me one Thursday and said, I want you to go home tonight and I want you to vision making this shot. And he showed me the shot, you know, point up, throw the ball, fake right, shoot left. And, and so he explained to me, he wanted me to go home, you know, lay down in a dark room, close my eyes and just vision making that shot no matter who's defending you, you just, that's what we're going to do. And, and so I did, and that's where I first, you know, the next night, uh, that's what I did and it worked. And that's my first experience of really 
I think understanding what that visioning thing kind of how it works and you know I think I've kind of built my life around that um, because I'm a um, I'm a home remodeler, a business builder, um, but but I can also remember parking in front of one of my businesses um, one morning and thinking, uh, you know, I had I had already gotten divorced from Blake's mom, and I can remember sitting there in the parking lot in my pickup and. I don't know if something happened in town that made me think about Blake dying. What if Blake died? And I can remember getting a lot of tears in my eyes. But if there was a difference before in the before and after that date, that was a that to me is a defining moment for me because before Blake really died, I could think about that and I could get emotional but I could walk away from it instantly because he wasn't dead. I could imagine him being gone and I could feel the emotions of him being gone, but he wasn't gone. So I could instantly just shut that off and go back to the regular earth that I've always lived on. And I think that's the defining, that's really the point, you know, that I can say that, 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 here's the difference before I could walk away from it. Now I can't. Um, and, and, and I think that's true with every experience we have. Yeah. And I think you're right too. And I think, <clears throat> I, I think we can't walk away from the experiences that, that we've had. I mean, we can try to, and we can try to deny our past. And I think, um, the German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, Nietzsche, Nietzsche I don't know if I, I, I have trouble pronouncing his name, said, and I'm paraphrasing this, if we deny our past, we deny our, our existence because our past really determines our, our present existence and who we are. And the more we try to deny who we are, <coughs> the more it comes back to like, kind of just bite us in the rear end. You know, it's, it's going to say, look, you know, you have to embrace you have to embrace those experiences because that's going to make you who you are today. Yeah. You know, and, and I didn't really, I don't think, well, I can tell you, I didn't get that until I, you know, I am such a visual learner. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why I was so good. Not that I was good, a good teacher, but everything I taught me being of such a visual person, um, teaching construction for me was good because I was just such a visual teacher. Um, you know, I've often said when I've done presentations is, you know, if I talk, tell you how to run a table saw compared to if I show you how to run a table saw, and then if I let you run the table saw, those are such different experiences. You know, it goes back to the sitting in my truck and thinking about Blake dying. You know, if I just think about it compared to the actual experience of it happening, you're right. I mean, your past is your past. And I, and, and you know, I don't know how many times or if it was one time, but one time can feel like a thousand times, you know, when you're kind of told to um, not necessarily get over your grief or, or until you're consumed in it, 
until you're within it, do you really, you, you, you just can't walk away from it because it's a part of you. It's your toe. It's your knee. You, you, it is you. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And grief kind of becomes us, you know, in, you know, and I think it has to, we have to be able to integrate those experiences. We have to be able to, in some strange way, kind of welcome it into our world in order for us to, to, to really be able to manage it. And, um, you know, I mean, for me, it's been over 20 years since Janine passed. And I call it transition to a new existence, and other people may call it past, died, and however individuals conceptualize death is, is I'll, you know, I'll work with that. Um, but there's still days where it could, you know, the, the pain can bring me to my knees, depending on what's going on. But I realize that that's part of my existence now, the joy and sadness and yearning, or that's all going to be a part of the path I walk now, and I have to, to learn from all of it. And... Um, just for the for the, the listeners, Chris, who may not be familiar, Blake, could you tell us a little bit about if you're comfortable with it in terms of how Blake passed, how old oh, yeah. he was, and and when that occurred? Yeah, so Blake, uh, he was 16 at the time. Um, um, he his mom and I were divorced, so he lived with his mom full time, and and uh, um, he went out. Uh, December 23rd, um, he went out with some friends in a car he was driving. Um, the, the best we can guess, maybe going out to smoke a little weed. And uh, they were actually headed outside of Hayes, Kansas. And they were driving east. And there was a, there's a stop sign where, to, where two main roads cross, two main paved roads. And uh, he drove right through that stop sign, whether he drove through maybe on purpose because it was a hill and you'd get that, you know, that fun feeling of going up the hill and that your stomach and a little bit of, you know, uh, flying through the air. But he went through that and the timing was uh, bad and he got T-bones square in the driver's door. And, um, um, for 17 years, I lived with the thought that he died instantly because that's what his death certificate said. And, um, um, he, uh, uh, you know, got the phone call that night, um, and it's just, you know, the, the, there, there's no more sitting in the pickup, you know, thinking about it and walking away from it, and now you're in it, and, um, you know, that's what, that was kind of the, that was the, that was D-Day, I don't know, if it, <clears throat> I, I can't even, I don't, we, we would need 10 podcasts to probably talk about all the changes that have happened, um, since then, but. So December 23rd of 2005, um, it's just, you know, I always say that prior to that phone call, I lived on earth and the second I got that phone call, I've been, I, you know, they're, they're all trying to figure out how to get to Mars. Well, um, I feel like I've been living on Mars since then because it's just a new existence. It is just everything about it is different. You walk different, talk different. I've got the same tube of toothpaste that I used was using the day before Blake died. I've still got that tube of toothpaste and I mean, it's squeezed empty. Um, and anytime I do a presentation, I show that tube of toothpaste and I mean, it's as flat and as empty as, you know, why do I have it? You know, well, some people think I'm frugal or this and that, and I am a lot of those things. But the, the reality is, is I was using this tube of toothpaste before Blake died. And I'd used that tube of toothpaste after Blake died. And I eventually had to move on and get new toothpaste or stop buying toothpaste. I mean, 
And I knew that instantly. And you, it's, it's, I was brushing my teeth the morning of Blake's funeral thinking, eventually this tube of toothpaste is going to run out and I'm going to have to get a new tube of toothpaste. And so the world around you continues to keep, it just keeps on going, right? Um, two, three days after Blake's funeral, I went to the cemetery because I didn't know if I should or shouldn't, but there I stood and I looked around and, and unfortunately the cemetery in Hayes is right in the middle of town. Who the hell thought that was a good idea? I'll never know. But I, I literally was standing there and cars going by and the quick shop where I saw Blake on Halloween that night, all dressed up and excited with his friends. You know, I, those memories are flashing by and the cars are going by and I'm just, um, you know, when I wrote the Birdhouse Project book, um, <clears throat> I remember one of the chapters, I was looking for pictures to start each chapter, and I found this picture with a stopwatch with a nail driven through it, and all the hands that came around, you want time to stop in that moment that the, the tragedy strikes, but you, you can't, right, because your life was, <clears throat> you know, when you lost Janine, your life was gone, and I didn't. I didn't know that. I mean, we there's tragedy happening everywhere right now. <clears throat> we don't know that, and we don't know that. But so, you know, and and, and until your until your experience is in in your boots, do you really you then you can't walk away from it. Um, it's yours. And I tried to walk away from it. I was miserable. I was miserable. You know, mm -hmm. Because I, in walking away from it, I cut off any possible means of support and resources that could help me work through what I needed to work through. I mean, I wanted my life to be, you know, the way it was prior to, to Janine's passing. I wanted it back, but, you know, all mm -hmm. the asking in the world wasn't going to change it. So I finally realized that, well, let's, let's see what I can do to make the best of it. You mentioned the Birdhouse Project, and I know that's something that was seems to be like ions ago. Yeah. Again, that I think was part of a big part in terms of how you began to work through a lot of the early grief and middle grief stuff was the birdhouse project. Again, can you just tell our listeners for who may not be familiar with that, how that evolved and you know, what, what you learned from that and what we can learn from that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, you know, it, it, like so many things in our lives, I think everything, you know, when you're trying to create something or do something or honor something. And, and I, I, I don't, I think I absolutely don't live. I think that project was maybe to honor Blake, but it was probably more so to save my life. I think in a in, in when I look back on it, but, um, yeah, I, 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 after Blake died, I stumbled around trying to figure out what's going on. And within a year, I knew that I needed to get into the, the one thing I always wanted to be was a high school shop teacher. And, um, so I ended up, I ended up long story short, I ended up becoming a high school wood shop teacher at uh, Bonner Springs high school <clears throat> in Bonner Springs, Kansas, near Kansas city. And if there, if there is one thing that I've learned about teaching is the difference between you know, they say kids will say the craziest things. Well, out of inexperience, I think maybe it is, is they will 
speak and ask questions that adults will not ask, right? Because maybe in experience, they <clears throat> adults are like, well, I don't want to ask that because I'm afraid to get the answer. Well, the curiousness of youth. I got in that classroom with all those young people and they knew, they all knew the reason I was there because I was scared to death to be a teacher at my age. Um, they knew I was there because Blake died and I had made a big change in my life and um, because I told them that's why I was there. And their curiousness, um, they ask a lot of questions about it. You know, what it was, the, the experience. Uh, do I think about Blake in his grave? Um, they ask me all the real questions that adults are afraid to ask. And they didn't run from my answers, you know. I mean, there was days we didn't even go to the wood shop. We'd sit in the classroom and just talk about life experiences. I mean, I had students with parents in jail and um, real world. And, and that's when I learned that tragedy comes in so many forms, you know. I mean, <clears throat> you, may be, you may be 15 years old and obviously not experienced the death of a child, but if you failed your algebra test and you've never failed an algebra test before and you've got this big vision of, you know, going on and being a math teacher, well, failing an algebra test isn't probably too good for your psyche. It's no different than being a parent and you have all these visions for your children when they grow up and you lose one of them, it, it, you know, hopes and dreams are not reality. I mean, they're hopes and dreams. And that's, what ended up happening was, was I, 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 if I remember right, I won this award for teaching because, you know, I'm, I'm older, I'm in the classroom, I've got life experiences, and um, I, I created this uh, uh, based on project-based learning. What is project-based learning? I, I, I made these birdhouse kits, and on each piece I attached the way to uh, what is project-based learning, you know, the the foundational part of it, What what's the plan, you know, how are you going to get started. And then each piece took on a meaning. And so when I went to give this presentation, um, as I talked about each piece, I handed out, uh, I handed out the bottom, walked around, talked about that piece, and it becomes visual, right? It's the difference between talking about a table saw and learn and actually running a table saw. And so as these teachers at this conference in Topeka were setting all these pieces up when we were all done, we didn't build them actually, but we set them up. Um, they, they, by the time I was done with my presentation, they all had a birdhouse kit with the writing on each piece and um, they could take that with them, right? It's a visual tool. They didn't, you, you think about going to a conference and, <coughs> excuse me, leaving a presentation and you get a little sheet of paper and that little sheet of paper gets shoved in your, uh, you know, your little bag they give you with all your goodies. Um, it's a little sheet of paper in your bag of goodies. Well, the difference mine was, was I, they got a real birdhouse and that experience, it just changes the experience. So I took all that stuff back to the shop and it, I was standing there one day and it literally just dawned on me. What if I took these pieces and turned the steps of my grief through these pieces um, and each piece got a question, who am I now, how do I feel, how do I react to how I feel, 
What have I accomplished? What do I want to accomplish? The roof is about trust or about uh, shelter and the perch is about trust. And it just started there. I am not a writer, dude. Man, I filled English comp twice in college. But when you're writing from the heart, um, it doesn't matter. Twos and twos and theirs and theirs. You, who gives a shit? Just have a good editor. Um, and so that's that's how the Birdhouse Project kind of started. And it, it, it did become really who I was because that's who I was. And I needed... I needed a vis- I needed a physical tool to grieve, and I think it's that simple. When I look back on it, um, just like an entrepreneur builds a business, I built my grief around that around that thing, and um, it became me to a point to where one day I was like, "I'm done," and I just stopped. I just stopped teaching the Birdhouse Project. Because I'd moved past it, just like you build a business to a point where you're like, I'm done and I'm ready to build a new business. That's what I did. Yeah, I think we need to know when it's time to walk away from something that no longer had the same purpose or serves us as it did earlier in our lives. We just have to realize and say, hey, you know, this is, um, it's time to move on. But, you know, you mentioned something and one of the things that always struck me. Um, and, you know, I'm not a builder. I mean, the thing I can build probably pretty well are club sandwiches. That's about as close to building as I'm going to get, Chris. But, <laughs> but one of the things that struck me, when you mentioned the foundation, and I look at grief as kind of that prior to our tragedy, whatever our, that tragedy may be, we built a foundation using specific materials that suit us at that particular time. Now, if that foundation starts to crack and after tragedy, we, the question I always ask myself is, are those same materials going to work? Okay. Are those same materials going to work? And typically, <clears throat> the materials or the tools that we use to work through grief are a lot different, I believe, than the tools that we would have worked to prior to grief or prior to tragedy. So we're, we're rebuilding that foundation after tragedy. We're using different materials, coping skills, that are, are going to are going to suit that particular stage in our lives. The other the old materials and the other way that we reacted or, or re- reacted or you know interacted with the world isn't going to fly. And I, you know, so yep. I, it's it's using it's understanding that things are different and what's going to are fit our different reality. Yeah, it's the you know the difference is, is um I lived on Earth and I woke up on Mars. I mean. You, it's, it's, it's a, you, you, there's just a different way of living and there's no way around it. And if you're not the person experience it, I don't care if you have your best friend or your spouse sitting right next to you, you're going to experience the grief different because mm-hmm. you, you, you've heard the saying and we hear the saying and we say the saying, I've been in your shoes and I, and, and I don't, I didn't even preface the question, can I cuss on your podcast, but it's bullshit because you can't, you can, you can think you've, you've had the same experience, but it is not the same experience, right? You and I drive to the Grand Canyon and we both stand on the edge and one of us might think this is, oh my God, this is God's greatest creation. The other, other person might think this is a big goddamn hole in the ground that's been <laughs> washed out over the years. You know I mean? 
it's it's the difference but the but the but the truth the reality of it is and and i think back to who i was before i don't know if you and i would have or could have been friends before i experienced what i experienced right you went through your experience with the loss of your daughter very very different than the the death of my of blake two different experiences we've had we wear similar shoes but the but the reality is is when you and i stand together that when when we can when we can um relate on a topic that we can put between us and, and that's what the birdhouse project does by the way is you know the birdhouse is is your birdhouse my birdhouse is my birdhouse but now we have a similar topic that we can relate to so foundational you know everything i do is related to building or think about it when a person buys a house and they have a foundation that's crushing and the first thing they want to do is put a new kitchen in it dear lord in heaven why would you put a new kitchen in a house that's crumbling but that's what we do we want to sugarcoat it we want to ignore the foundational issues right the I turned 60 this summer, and if there is one thing I've learned in 60 years of living is that the toughest thing you're ever going to do in your life, and I mean it isn't marriage, it isn't business, it isn't work, it's being yourself. Um, it, it, that, that is not an easy feat. And I think you're right, Chris, because being <clears throat> yourself requires that we wear our beliefs very transparently. And I think individuals who wear their beliefs on their sleeves become targets. Because Absolutely. That, that is intimidating to a lot of people. Um, you, know, you, you were speaking of students before in terms of, you know, and I, I wanted to dovetail off of this. One is that I think a lot of times it could be a mistake just to look at a student as just a student. Um, that is certainly their primary objective, their primary role, but there's so much more to them. There's some, they, they experience their own set of tragedies. They have their own set of challenges. And I'm glad you <coughs> could recognize that because it's important for us to establish a real safe place in the classroom. Because I, I mean, for me, I don't know histories of, of my students. So I want to try to establish a place where they can have fun learning. They can have fun talking about real sensitive topics, but yet feel safe. And I think it's important, and I'm glad you were able to acknowledge that because I think sometimes students may see, may not believe that we see the totality of their lives. And because of my experiences with, with the challenges with my daughter's, daughter's transition, I have been able to, to look at students from a more holistic perspective in terms of, hey, you're just not students, you got other stuff going on, and I need to be able to respect that. And as long as I know what's going on, I can work with that. Exactly. And it's, it's, it, it, you show me a teacher in any, I don't care, any field, you show me a teacher that plays the game is that it's us. They walk in the classroom, any classroom, any presentation, and it's us. It's not me up here because I know more than you and you're down here because you're the student. They create that. If they create that divide, they're the worst. I don't, I don't, I don't care how well they know their topic. They don't know jack shit because mm -hmm. if, if you create that divide, um, of, of 
that's that is a power thing and there is an instant disconnect with a student you have to create an environment of us and um you said it i mean you know unfortunately i mean education is business there's no doubt about it if you want this grade and this piece of paper from me you're going to have to achieve these goals um but the reality is is you know i don't think there was a student i taught in all my years of teaching that that i didn't think in my mind that you know this is a snippet of their experiences and and the reality is, is i want them to walk away with more life skills than topic skills um, because they're going to figure out what they're doing on the job. Um, they, they need some foundational skills and some basic understanding, but I want them to really have an understanding of how to deal with life more so than um, anything else. I mean, it, you know, my business now with all the employees we have and my business is tiny compared to the big businesses out there, but my business operates the best, Dave, when it's closed <laughs> because uh, you, the second lives and individuals walk through a door, it's complicated because we all have these different life experiences going on and how does it affect, you know, um, and we all have to play this, um, you know, if, if you're having, you know, well, how are you doing today? Well, I'm having a bad day. Well, now we got to deal with that. And it, it, it just goes back to <clears throat> just how do we blend and work together and, um, and have that, that understanding. I think that's a huge part of yours and I, our, our friendship is because we allow that space. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's got to be some stuff I do and you got to shake your head and there's some stuff you do. And I'm like, I, I don't get it, but I respect it. Right. It's just a respect thing. Um, and you know, I, I think ultimately that's the that should be the goal of being a teacher um because we're all teachers we're all teaching people constantly right when we go to the grocery store and we're standing in line or somebody's got three items and i got 80 items if we want to be a jackass and make them wait behind us or just let them go in front of us you're teaching kindness or you're teaching patience or um you know and uh, that's God, that's what it's all about. And, and it goes back to, we just constantly cave in to other people um, the way they are because it is hard to be yourself. It is, it's, it is difficult. I mean, if you're being yourself, you're being selfish. I mean, you're immediately targeted. You're right. You're immediately targeted because you just have no flexibility. It's just like... No, this is who I am, and you, you know what I mean. You, you just, you now you got to deal with that. Well, honestly, it's not even worth dealing with, and it, so sometimes it's easier just to be what everybody else is around you. So you just kind of fit into their little game, and then you go away, and you get to be yourself at home by yourself because nobody's there. But what if you could be yourself out in with everybody? Um, and, and, and then, and then I remember being myself one day and being told by somebody that I knew very well that, um, well, you're, you're a narcissist because you just think you're all it. And I'm like, 
no, I'm, I'm being confident in who I am. So you're telling me I shouldn't be confident in who I am? So you immediately cower back and start questioning everything you're doing is is uh, it's just this constant juggle and, and you know we question things that are based on external expectations that are made by other human beings who have their own inherent flaws anyway <clears throat> so you know for me it's like you know see the world through your own eyes don't let anybody else dictate how you see that world and as long as you are acting from a position that is consistent with your definitions of right or wrong that is with integrity, that is with genuineness, you got nothing to worry about. You have, my job is simply not to judge it, but to understand that perspective and to learn from that. And I tell my students, within every great teacher, there's a student, great student, waiting mm. to come out. With every great student, there's a teacher waiting to come out. So mm. let's learn from each other. And this is like, we're all in this together. I'm just not here to throw information out at you. I want you to take some life lessons with you. I want you to take something beyond the topics in this classroom, but I also expect that you're going to teach me something because that's one of the reasons I keep coming back is that my students continue to teach me a lot about myself, a lot about my own teaching, a lot about my methods and a lot about what really matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, and, and that's a, that's a good teacher. And it's, <clears throat> if, if you've, if you've experienced a good teacher, or somebody you can get in a trench with and relate to, and then you've experienced a teacher who, you know, um, um, I don't know, maybe maybe strength is their knowledge. When honestly, it's not their their knowledge that's their strength. It's it's the fact that they have the ability to share that knowledge is their strength. But some people don't look at it that way. Um, it's you know, and and. It, I, I can be a good builder at something, but I can be a great builder if I can teach other people how to build, right? Because my goal isn't for me to do all the work. My goal is to make 40 mini-me's so they can help me do the work so we can accomplish more. Um, and it, it's, it's just, that's where I'm, that's the difference I am. I, I don't know, it would be interesting um, and I've thought about this before, and I don't know how you couldn't think about this, but had Blake not died, what would be different? I, you know, would I be sitting here where I am? Would I be married a third time? Would, would these things be happening or would I have gone down a very different path? And I would think I would have because the trajectory of our life changes so much when something changes the core of who you are and that's a that is a core change right it's a fine line you know you see people that go through tough tough times again tragedy comes in so many forms but something strikes them and they it's coping right how do you cope with it well part of my coping mechanism was writing the birdhouse project but i could have just as well snorted cocaine i mean <laughs> you can you can go down so many different paths to cope um, until you gain the tools you need to to breathe on Mars, and it, it time doesn't make it easier. Time allows you to build the tools that you need because you have to build them because you can't go get them at Walmart. Um, 
but you start meeting people that have their tools and you start building your own tools from those tools. And I think that's, that's why you and I are friends because I can learn from you and I can, I've learned from people at Dylan's in the cow lane, you know, you learn from other people what you want to be. And I, and I think that's where it comes. That's, that's, that's the biggest difference probably now compared to then I'm just more aware. Um, yeah, I'm more aware. And I think me too. I think, I think I also thought about had Janine that transition, would my life be different? Sure, it'd be different. I wouldn't have met you. I would have right. been at a, I would have been at a brief parents of the USA conference. Right. I would have been probably more in the day-to-day role of the father, the grandfather, and dealing with the day-to-day stuff and grounded in that. Um, and I think like you, I've developed a greater sense of awareness, different tools than, than you've used to develop that awareness. But hey, it all works. It you know, does. It does. Whether we use an apple or an orange, or it doesn't matter. As long nope. as we have a greater sense of awareness, so we can share that with each other and learn from it, man, it's all great. It's all good. It's all it, great. it it is it is, and that's and I think that's the ultimate goal is is to 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 create your own way um, as you go and know that you're different because you are different. There's no doubt about it. You know prior to an event in your life, you are a different person. And when you're, when, you know, when, when you have, when there's, you have cement shoes cast on you, you got to figure out a way to deal with it. You know, where before you can just, um, step away from it and just pretend you're there and think, how would I react? Well, you don't know how you're going to react till you react, um, until you're there and you have to do it. It's just, it's just different, and thank God there, there is nothing more powerful on this planet than someone, um, you know. Then it, it, it goes back to uh, what when the when the Japanese bombed us at Pearl Harbor, and I don't remember the admiral's name from Jap, you know, Japan that said, "Uh oh," you know. I I, I think we could have effed up here, you know. I think we've woken a sleeping giant. And there is a sleeping giant in every person that goes through tragedy um, because there's nothing more powerful than the inner spirit that drives you because you, it becomes you and it becomes your focus. I mean, it, it, it's, it is, it's just what it is, right? We, we won't eat. We won't, I mean, we won't sleep, we will drive ourselves to a point to where we won't stop. And that sleeping giant is in everybody that goes through tragedy. And it's like you said, you, you, you have to form that awareness of what is that sleeping giant, right? Because if, if, if you would have lost Janine and I would have said, you know, Dave, um, what you need to do is you need to write the birdhouse part. You need to create this. And you to looked at me like, what the hell are you smoking, right? You're good at building club sandwiches, not the Birdhouse Project book. That's right. That comes from me because that's my world, my life experiences. And, uh, you know, the, the difference is it, it ultimately, if there's anything I've figured out for myself this morning, is that the moment I sat in that pickup truck, right, and I thought that Blake died and I, I could walk away from it to now is the fact that I get that. 
it's that simple. Um, I don't have to try to walk away from that experience. I don't have to try to run away from that experience because I think I'm, I'm losing such a great opportunity in my life to, to live differently. Yep. And every opportunity we can have to look, look, to live differently, I think keeps us more engaged in life, keeps it more fresh for us. And man, just continues <clears throat> to give us purpose. So, um, okay. Yeah. So, all right. Um, is there anything else you would like to add, my friend? Well, I'm out of coffee. And <laughs> out of coffee. And I. Gonna, that could be a tragedy in and of itself, man. It's very possible I might need to poop again. So I don't know how much longer we can go on here. Well, I think in that case, um, in that case, we probably, this would probably be a good time to wrap it. So, yeah, I always got to take it down a rabbit hole, don't I? Yeah, you do, man. But that's why I love you because it's just like, it could, it could go anywhere. And, you know, that's why I love you. This could, could go anywhere. So, and I'm still laughing. If, I, if you guys could see me, you could see me smiling all over the place. I mean, you always do that for me. But anyway. Uh, I love you. Um, I love you too, man. But listen, for those of the, that dare want to get in touch with you for any reason, uh, how can they find you? What's the best way to get in touch with you? I mean, probably the best way is unfortunately Facebook. Um, you know, they can just look up my look at my. It's Chris with a K, K R I S, Munch um, M U N S C H. I mean, that's probably the best way to look me up. Um, um, you Google. Well, you know, it's kind of funny never did I think you could Google my name and it would come up with three pages of stuff. And it's not because, um, I'm, I'm fancy. It's just because I've done a lot of stuff and it's everything from, it talks about the birdhouse project and building caskets with kids. We did that one day, one time. I mean, um, that's a whole nother podcast right there. The, the, they're building those caskets for little kids in Kansas city. Um, that's probably the best way to track me down. Um, I'm nothing special. Uh, I live on a little farm with a, there's actually a peacock on my porch right now. So <laughs> if you want a dose of uh, reality, just come on out here and sit on the porch with me some morning. <laughs> well, yeah, particularly I'm surprised there weren't more animal sounds coming from your, from your barn, because I was going to let the viewers know if you hear some, some like barnyard noises, that's what Chris <laughs> is, is talking from his barn and he's got a, he's become an animal caretaker. Um, and my and it's not me it's my wife yeah it's not me it's my wife you know it's her deal she loves all the animals but um you know when you got three little pigs and one of them's over on the country club golf course pond well you somebody's got to go get the damn pig that's right that's right (laughs) so but anyway my friend it's always always been a pleasure thanks for spending some time with with me and i know our listeners once this podcast drop are going to be extremely happy that you spent some time with us and hopefully I pass muster with you enough that you'll come back for another, another conversation. You know me, I like to talk. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> um, and I, with, I, I enjoy it. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. And I think hopefully, Oh, one other thing I want to ask you real quickly yep. um, before we go, what can, is one takeaway or one teaching that you want to leave for our listeners that are young and old, that they can, from your journey, from your, your life path, just one thing it, off the it, top of your head. It, it, it goes back to the whole idea of being yourself. Um, 
you know, that's the whole purpose of the birdhouse project. You know, I, I did that birdhouse project all over the country. I hauled those wooden pieces all over the country. And the hardest, you go to a workshop and you hand out that first piece of the foundation and you ask the question, who are you? And you're sitting there with a pen or a marker and you're going to write on that piece of wood who you are. It is the delay of the piece, the marker, and writing who you are. I saw it everywhere I went. People don't know who they are. Um, and, uh, you know, we go on vacation to go to Disneyland. We go on vacation to uh, go to Arkansas. We go, we, we take, go on vacation to go to Florida. We go on vacation to go do everything. When is the last time you took time off mm -hmm. to go be yourself? Yeah. Or do think about it. Just go spend a weekend, you know, at work. What are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm going to go golfing. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do that. And then this one person at the, you know, at the, at the break room table says, you know, I'm going to go spend the weekend just uh, um, marinating in my life and thinking about who I am. And I mean, everybody's going to walk around and go, what the hell's wrong with that dude? We don't take any time to really process who we are. And, uh, because when you start processing that and then you start thinking about now, how am I going to stay that right? How am I going to, how am I going to be that? It just, it, it's, it's, it's the toughest thing we do. It's the, it, it's, it, I, I, I challenge people to take a weekend, take a week and go on vacation and think about who they are and what they want to be and how do we get to that point? Um, it's amazing how much less you need when you know who you are. That's right. I mean, when I ask somebody who they are, typically they'll tell me what they do. So I don't know, I want to know what you do. I want to know who you are. You know, exactly. You you know, big so, difference. Yeah, there's a real big difference. So with that, thank you again, my friend. And we, let's do this again real soon. Amen, brother. Anytime. And for those who are listening, this is another wrap on another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. So what I'd like to do to end is just very simply, I hope you have a really great rest of the day. If you so choose, I wish you well, but more so, I wish you peace. Take care. <laughs>